So the, the theme of my talk today is slowing down. And this uh, theme is related to the fact that I'm sitting in a chair. And I'll tell you a story. <laughs> so because it, it, it seemed just like a very, um, it's, very, it's a very beautiful topic. I think it gets to the heart of some of our, our challenges to make this practice real in our lives. And I was reflecting on this a lot because I was um, teaching in Santa Cruz on Sunday. And on Sunday morning, I woke up. I was in, um, I was a guest at someone's home and was in a bed I had never slept on before. And I woke up in the morning and I felt something kind of strange with my knee. And in the course of the day, uh, it got really, really bad. And by the end of the day, I could barely walk. And the next day, I could barely walk. And it seems to be getting a little bit better, but I still can not walk very well. And I don't know what it is. There's no, no previous history. And it, um, many people have given suggestions. <laughs> um, but one of my first responses was um, I felt, I mean, I, w- I had a wonderful time in Santa Cruz, but um, afterwards, part of my response was a certain inner happiness at um, slowing down, which is which is some of you may sometimes find if you if external reasons, maybe sometimes illness. I mean, I have friends who I talk to who say when they get a little bit sick, there's some appreciation that they don't have to keep going so much, which is a little bit perverse, but it's uh, but it tells us something, doesn't it? It tells us something, and that may not be universal, but I could feel uh, I was uh, forced to be very slow just to, uh, you know, just to move 10 feet was a challenge. And some of you know this, and some of you may, may have challenges like this uh, as part of your everyday life in some way or part of the people you love. But it was, it was a challenge just to move. But I, I found sort of inexplicably almost like an inner glow developing of moving more slowly and it was um, because I was really uh, almost forced just to pay a lot of attention couldn't do very much had to be very modest about my accomplishments luckily the external world was not overly pressuring and so I just started uh, reflecting more on the theme of slowing down and wanted to I um, wanted to share some reflections because I think it's such a, both a vital part of our practice and part of the, it points to some of the deep challenges of practicing in this culture. And it's also something that I and maybe many of us in some ways uh, struggle with. It's not, some, it's not something that's easy. You know, that the world is uh, speeding up, the world uh, outside is... Um, in many ways, moving much more quickly. There are a lot of very clear quantitative measures of that. Things are moving faster. The world's accelerating, whether you call it globalization or something else. And it's, it's a real challenge to stay centered in our practice. It's a real challenge to stay centered with the um, intention to be aware, the intention to be wise and compassionate. And so I, for me, this theme of, of slowing down is one way to go into that, that challenge. And, but it is, for myself, it's not an easy um, 
situation. It's something that I sometimes, uh, I don't know if the word struggle is right, but it's something that's not, you know, I don't feel like I'm always uh, as slowed as I want to be. Um, and so because of that struggle, there, there are certain kind of ironies that pervade the subject. You know, I was reflecting today, coming from the East Bay over here, um, I slowed down quite a number of times <laughs> in the traffic. And I said, well, it's interesting. I'm slowing down a lot, but I really, um, I want to, I don't want to slow down too much because I want to be on time for giving my talk on slowing down. (laughs) And I was also, I mean, these ironies come in. And I was reflecting yesterday, well, I I shouldn't work too hard and get overly busy preparing a talk on slowing down. And it reminds me of, it reminds me of when I, uh, quite a number of years ago, actually, um, I think, I think it was when uh, Sylvia and I once uh, taught a class for senior students at, over 10 years ago. And I remember one of our sessions was on the theme of being busy. And the people who most needed it were too busy to come. <laughs> um, so there's, I, think, I think those kind of ironies point to some of the ways that there, there are interesting intertensions about this. You know, that uh, it, it's the way that many of us, when we go on retreat, it becomes so hectic to, to, <laughs> to get it together, to go on retreat. There's some, there's some kind of interesting irony, you know, and then when you come back, you're just bombarded by all the things. You, know, you go away for 10 days, you have wonderful peace, but getting there is kind of crazy and hectic. And then when you come back, you're bombarded by, you know, whatever, 273 emails or, or whatever. And so there's, um, it's interesting, you know, it's, 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 it's a very uh, interesting process, and there are some um, ironies and tensions and paradoxes here that I think are, are just sort of indicate that it's, it's a hard area. Um, slowing down is not inherently better than going quickly. The problem about going quickly is that for most of us, for many of us, going quickly tends to make it harder to see our conditioning and to act wisely and compassionately. There's nothing inherent in the fact of going very fast. That is a problem. In fact, one of the ways that we could look at practice is to say that we need most of us to slow down in order, when we go more quickly, to actually have enough awareness so that we just don't fall into habitual patterns. A lot of our troubles come about, if you reflect on them, when things happen very quickly. And how many times do you feel, you know, you're being very careful and mindful and then you just have a a very uh, kind of rushed conversation with someone at work or someone at home and something just very quickly happens that's... uh, that's damaging maybe, or that's awkward, or that's you have a sarcastic exchange. And a lot of things happen when we're not paying attention, when things happen very quickly. Um, but it's possible, and I think one of the um, intentions of our practice is to learn how to uh, slow down in certain times so that we can be much more skilled and be able to see more when things are happening very quickly. It's not that we as meditators, want to perpetually be in slow motion or have a lifestyle where we're just, you know, always moving very slowly. I mean, for some people that may be skillful, 
but there's, I think that we can see what we're doing as a kind of training that lets us be as skillful, as wise, and compassionate, as it were, at any speed, <laughs> at any speed that we're, that we're going. But for most of us, we need to slow down. But there's something, um, I know for myself, I, there's something that I actually have loved sometimes, being pretty mindful and going very quickly. You know, and you may, you may enjoy that. I remember once I did uh, several weeks of retreat at the uh, Insight Meditation Society in Massachusetts. And then right after I uh, finished my retreat, there was still a retreat going on, and I worked in the kitchen for two days. And I remember one of the first things I did was I helped serve pizza for a hundred meditators. And that kitchen was humming. <laughs> and, but but it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful feeling to be moving really quickly and fairly mindfully. And doing, you know, just going very quick. You've got to do this, got to do this, got to go. You know, got 50 pizzas more to come out, do this, do that. And yet uh, staying aware and present and not just getting caught up in uh, whatever we get caught up in when we're going quickly, you know, maybe some uh, basic survival tape or something. Um, so I think as we, as we do this progression, as we learn how to <clears throat> slow down, in order to be, as it were, proficient at any speed, we actually develop some very key qualities. And so slowing down is connected with a number of very beautiful qualities. I think it's connected with, with a patience, for example. That to be able to slow down is often to not want to rush things along. It's to maybe be more aware of the sequence of change, to really be able to... Uh, be with our experience without wanting to have things occur at, as it were, at our schedule, to really be able to be present with things. Um, I brought in a book by a friend of mine that some of you may know uh, called The Book of Qualities by Ruth Gendler. Some of you may know this book. It's, she's an um, artist and writer who lives in Berkeley, and she did this book quite a number of years ago. It, it basically personifies in a very beautiful way uh, qualities of the heart, and, and mind. And so there are about 60 chapters on, in which the wind, pleasure, worry, fear, patience, confusion, loneliness, and despair all become people. And, they have, and they, she does drawings of them, and she gives the inner qualities, as it were, a character. And it's a very, um, for me, it's a very skillful way to get at some of these qualities. So I wanted to read two of these to you that are connected with the qualities of slowing down. One is patience and the other one is stillness. This is patience. Patience wears my grandmother's filigree earrings. She bakes marvelous dark bread. She has beautiful hands. She carries great sacks of peace and purses filled with small treasures. This is patience. You don't notice her right away in a crowd, but suddenly you see her all at once, and then she is so beautiful, you wonder why you never saw her before. Patience. And this is, um, this is stillness. Stillness will meet you for tea or for a walk by the ocean. You must be gentle when you approach her. She is more sensitive than we can even imagine, and she does not explain herself much. Sometimes I bring her flowers, not because she needs them, she tends several gardens, but because I am better able to meet her when I am carrying flowers. 
Her favorite time is dawn. Excuse me, what's the title of the book again? The Book of Qualities by Ruth Gendler. So patience would be a quality connected with slowing down, stillness, qualities like being in the present moment, which I'll come back to, qualities of listening. Slowing down helps us to listen, to really be present with things. Uh, Having a kind of long view of the nature of change and development is really helped by the quality of slowing down. And there's also... uh, a dimension of slowing down. Of we have to slow down. We have to let go a lot. We have to let go of worries or anxieties or uh, preoccupations, obsessive thoughts, and so forth. And so there, there are a number of these very wonderful qualities which are connected with slowing down. Now, one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to work with slowing down a lot is because our culture is so speedy and getting, getting speedier. Uh, we are moving around more, we're, we are traveling more, we are doing more things. I thought I would read, let's see, I'll read a passage. Um, uh, my friend Diana Winston wrote a very good, nice piece about four years ago in the Buddhist Peace Fellowship Journal called Speed. It was in an uh, issue of the uh, Buddhist Peace Fellowship Journal turning wheel called Time. Um, and this is, this is what she said. In my early 20s, when I was unemployed and living in New York City, I had a ritual for myself. I would go to Grand Central Station at evening rush hour, plant myself in a busy intersection, cram with people running for trains and subways, and watch. (laughs) The giant underground room was a whirl of bodies in dark overcoats, zooming past each other with inexorable sense of importance. They never bumped into each other. Rushing, running, spinning out of control, I, like a ghost, stood there with nothing to do except watch and wonder. Years later, immersed in a culture where speed is the order of the day, I, too, am now part of this herd. I, too, have a date book that is filled to the brim, and intimacies are bargained into its corners. I hurry from one appointment to the next and the next. I run from planning meetings to work to sitting group to dinner with friends to the latest movie. Most things I do are worthwhile, quote, helpful, beneficial to myself and others. I roll into bed at night, exhausted, forgetful. What did I do all day? Contemporary America, we love fast things, fast cars, fast meals, microwaves, one-night stands, instant credit, overnight express, cable modems, amphetamines, pizza delivery, everything. What did we do before email? (laughs) So there's, there's a way in which uh, maybe being here Wednesday mornings, we're all against that flow a little bit. But, but I think we, we know that the, the culture is very strong in terms that we, we are uh, running more quickly. We have all increased information. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Americans are working about 20 or 30 percent more than they did uh, 30 years ago. Some of you know there's a book called The Overworked American by Juliet Shore in which she documents this. She documents the fact that we've increased our work, that people are uh, working more. And we know that in this culture, we have, um, I think the average is 12 vacation days a year. Whereas in um, Western Europe, the average is more like five or six weeks. 
So we're running very fast. We are overworked. These are, these are objective conditions. So the question of how to slow down is not totally a personal question. If I, have a, if I am going too fast, it's not just something because of my personal neuroses or something that my personal neuroses hook up quite wonderfully with the cultural neuroses um, and, and problems. And so we, we get in this mode, which we know from our culture, where we are just uh, doing all the time, where we're trying to get through our to-do list, where we are in a almost like a performance mode, especially if we're, you know, if we have jobs, we have families, we have friends, you know, and then there are all the uh, cultural and spiritual riches of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and it's, it's hard. And I was talking with a friend yesterday, and she said, you know, it's really hard for me. I really want to have my life centered in mindfulness and awareness. And yet I feel when I'm out there, and she's someone who actually is not even, uh, doesn't even have a regular job, doesn't have a 40-hour-a-week job, she says, I really feel I get totally involved in this doing. That makes it very hard. It's very hard for me to slow down. I just get totally wrapped up in it. And it's very hard just to focus on being present and, and stopping and, you know, and, and being, being able to be aware and have my focus really be on what I know I most value, which is to be in the present moment, to have my heart open, to be mindful, and to be as wise and compassionate as I can. So we have these qualities of our culture, and I, I don't want to say that there are not some positive things connected with the speeding up. I think it's, it's always mixed like that. There's some, I think there's some helpful things about some of the features which make everything faster, but we, we have to somehow struggle both with the, per, our personal way of being in the culture and the, way that this, uh, and the fact that this is a very strong influence. We know that other cultures don't exactly do it the same way. You know, I, I last... A few weeks ago, I was um, co-teaching a retreat in which we were in New Mexico and we visited uh, Chaco Canyon, you know, which was the, the uh, ceremonial center for the Anasazi people, you know, back uh, you know, from about 1,200 to about 600 years ago. And it was, it was very powerful to be, I, I was meditating a lot in Chaco Canyon, and it was very, it was very powerful, and it was basically telling me uh, as I'm often told in retreats, you may have the same experience in retreats, it's just saying, slow down a little bit. Just slow down. Make some adjustments to help, to help slow down. Um, and I think other cultures sometimes have had that quality of slowing down. In our own culture, uh, maybe not until not very recently, has also had the quality of slowing down. When I was in my 20s, I spent a lot of time in the uh, southern Appalachians. My family was in Virginia, and I spent a lot of time pretty deep in the mountains. Um, we had some land, and I uh, particularly uh, spent a lot of time with a man uh, named Guy Townsend, who was then in his 80s, in his early 80s. And we used to, um, he used to tell me all these stories. He had never been out of the mountains. He had never gone out of the mountains in his whole life. And he would, um, we would sometimes just go hiking in the mountains for seven or eight hours a day. He could do that in his 80s. You know, he could he could walk for seven or eight hours, and he would teach me, for example, about plants and animals. He would particularly we're, we're in those mountains. You can find ginseng, and when you go looking for ginseng, it's called sanging. <laughs> and and he would he would sort of he would he would say 
Don, there's some sang here. You find it. <laughs> and I would go looking for the sang. We would also, when, when we were just sitting around, we would have these conversations that um, the neighbors there called our famous conversations. And we would sit, and I would sit and talk with him. And the conversation would go something like this. I was um, visiting, I think, at that one of these points where I was, I was, um, I was a graduate student. I was up in Massachusetts. And we would just be talking. He would say, how's the corn up in Massachusetts? <laughs> and I would say, well, it's, it's getting pretty high. And then we'd have about three or four minutes go by. Got many peaches up there? <laughs> and then I'd give an answer to that. And then we again, it would just be a pause for five minutes or something. We would have these conversations for like an hour or two. And we'd just be sitting there. It was a very different sense of time, right? And it was just a very different sense of... Um, a, very, a very powerful kind of slowing down, which I think is much more caught up with the rhythms of nature, you know, which is partly one way that we, we do slow down. We get more in touch with the rhythms of nature. So in, in, the, in our meditation practice... It actually is a very important part of our practice to slow down, to find ways to slow down again with the intention of then finding ways to, to um, tr- almost like train when we're slowed down so that we can then be effective at any speed. And I think there are a few different ways in which our practice has to do with slowing down. One of them is that we, we simply um, come back to the present moment. We learn to come back to the present moment and see clearly. And we, we, to be in the present moment, we have to slow down. That's why I think we sit, we don't do anything, we suspend ourselves. When we come on retreat or we come to practice, in a way, we suspend ourselves from the requirements of action. And we say, I just want to be present and see what's happening. And we slow down very, very dramatically. We drop our agendas. We try to just train to be in the present. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh is a wonderful teacher of this, and he has a beautiful passage uh, about walking meditation. And if you, when we do walking meditation, it's a wonderful um, way to slow down because it really is not purposive. When we do walking meditation, we're not trying to get anywhere. We sort of drop our goal orientation, and that's a very important part of, of slowing down. So Thich Nhat Hanh talks about walking meditation as going without arriving. He says, in our daily lives, we usually feel pressured to move ahead. We have to hurry. We seldom ask ourselves where it is we must hurry to. When you practice walking meditation, you go for a stroll. You have no purpose or direction in space or time. The purpose of walking meditation is walking meditation itself. Going is important, not arriving. Walking meditation is not a means to an end. It is an end. Each step is life. Each step is peace and joy. That's why we don't have to hurry. That's why we slow down. We seem to move forward, but we don't go anywhere. We are not being drawn by a goal. Thus we smile when we are walking. And so there's that quality of, of being present. And Thich Nhat Hanh talks sometimes about, the, in our practice, one of the things I love a lot is being very slow with our eating. 
when we go on retreat, or sometimes maybe many of us do this at, at home, just to have a meal where we slow down and we're with the food and we're not trying to get somewhere. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about how it's possible to wash the dishes without trying to get them done with. Just to actually be present with the dishes. He said, if you're trying to wash the dishes so you can later have a cup of tea, you probably won't really enjoy the tea. So there's this quality of being present that's very fundamental. Another, probably the most primary, the most important reason why we slow down is that without slowing down, we can't see our conditioning. Without slowing down, we can't see our reactivity. We can't see the ways that our minds work because our minds work incredibly quickly. Someone makes a sarcastic comment to me and instantly I react back. Right? Um, something happens that I don't like and instantly I have a reaction. And the heart of slowing down, I think, in terms of mindfulness practice is that we can look, we become um, connoisseurs and experts about our own patterns of reactivity which we wouldn't usually be able to see very well unless we slow down. So, for example, a really important part of my own practice has been to go into some of those uh, wagon wheel ruts that we were talking about earlier and to actually see their nature more clearly, to see, to really start to see that, for example, um, my reactivity when I feel someone hasn't listened to me and when I instantly just start to get maybe rigid in my body and find judgmental thoughts happening, then I can look very carefully at that pattern. And over time, I can study my reactive patterns so it's, they start to happen more and more in slow motion. This is what mindfulness can do. Mindfulness can work so that our, as it were, our bad habits start to occur in slow motion and we can take them apart. We can start to see, oh, when this person judges me, my reaction might be to judge that person back, right? Just out of some um, learned way of defending myself. Okay? But then when I have mindfulness, and maybe when I've studied this pattern a hundred or a thousand times, I can start to see the whole process occurring in slow motion. I can start to see the judgment coming towards me. I can feel... I can feel some impact on my body and my mind, that there's some uh, tension there, some pain. I might feel, oh, that doesn't feel very good. And I can watch my mind start to then come out with its defense mechanism of the moment. It could be to attack back, it could be to withdraw, right? Fight, uh, fight or flight, so to speak, are our usual defense mechanisms. But when we do mindfulness practice, we start to deconstruct the solid nature of our patterns. This is the heart, I think this is the heart of our practice. And we need to slow down to be able to do it because things are happening so quickly. Things are happening so quickly with our reactivity that we need to do this mindfulness in order to be able to see, in order to be able to when something is happening, we, we practice first, maybe on the cushion. We start to see these patterns. We just start to notice, like you were naming maybe some of your patterns. We just start to, there's a whole sequence, a whole progression. Last time people were asking about the progression of practice. One progression is we start to see, we begin by just naming our patterns. We just start to get a little bit of space about them. We name judgment. We name um, uh, fear. We name particularly the, the difficult patterns. We also name joy and happiness and caring and so forth and 
and um, kindness and patience and so forth. But particularly we work with the difficult patterns and we start to, first we name them. We start to get some inventory of what's happening in our experience. We then, over time, become able to actually hang out with the patterns. Okay, what does this, um, what does this judgment really feel like? What does this uh, sadness really feel like? What is this? And we go a little more deeply into the pattern and start to see it. Over time, we also start to be able to see the whole, we slow down the process so much that we can actually start to see the moment of being startled, the moment of being shocked. Sylvia likes to use the word startle, which is a wonderful word. We start to see the moment of being startled and we're alert to it. Oh, I'm startled. And then we start to see how the um, conditioned reaction will start to occur. Someone judges me. My, if my conditioned reaction would be to just judge back and be harsh, I can feel my startle. I slow things down so much that I can actually notice that startle. I can see the reaction occurring. And when I've slowed it down enough, I have some choice about whether I'm going to go that way. And this is where freedom starts to come in in the practice. This is the core of our practice, really. It requires the slowing down, the bringing into slow motion of our uh, reactive patterns. And this is really, this is, I think, the core reason why we slow down, because things are happening so quickly, particularly in terms of reactivity, that without slowing down, it's very hard to get a handle for most of us, so to speak, or it's very hard to not just keep acting out. And so we slow down so we can actually start to see, oh, something hard, difficult coming towards me, startle, tendency to react, oh, do I want to go that way now? Um, yes. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, please, if it's a... Margie, a lot that's happening. And then that, that has to be a fruit of your practice because... Uh, did everyone hear? It has, that's a fruit of your practice because our conditioned reaction would be to be reactive back. It might be, again, it could be fight or flight. It doesn't mean we have to do the same thing to them, but it could be just to try to get out of there as quickly as possible or, 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 or whatever. And so this is, this is the core of our practice that we, that we find by, by slowing down. Just to notice those patterns, to notice when we're startled is a big part of practice because it, it alerts us to the fact that, oh, there's a tendency that's going to happen and I can look out for it. I can watch it. In slowing down, we also can go even more deeply into the very nature of the mind that with concentration and with stillness, we can, we can slow down our activity and our, and our reactivity so much that we start to see the very um, sort of microscopic movements of our experience more clearly. And, and this is particularly can happen in retreat or in deeper concentration, where we can start to see how our experiences are almost like these, particularly when we're, when we're not being active, we're just sitting at, at deepened levels of concentration, experience is just like these endless bubbles. And some of the bubbles come into uh, form. You know? And we can sit there and we can watch and just feel a little bubble and say, oh, that's a judgment thought about, you know, it's a little seed of judgment and it, didn't, it never took, took shape. And we can come to, come to a quality of seeing the mind 
uh, on such a, a concentrated level that is actually it's incredibly wondrous. And I think many of us have experienced this at different times, just to slow down enough so we can see this. It actually, what, what we discover is that the mind, what we call the slowed down mind, doesn't mean that nothing's happening. It just means that we are not uh, reacting, controlling, trying to make things happen. But we actually we, we can sit back, as it were, and watch this magnificent uh, play of life and play of mind, which is very mysterious. And it's one of the glories of this practice that we can tune into that level of quiet, that level of, that level of slowing down. And it's also sobering because we can see how fast things are happening all the time. We can see that things are just happening like that. And without the ability to be more quiet and to see things happening, it's very easy just to, um, very easy just to uh, uh, be swept away almost, be, be taken away. And this is, this is what our practice does. So I think the, the long-term intention is, in a way, again, not to just uh, sort of always be in some slowed-down mode, but to be able then to take the insights that come from slowing down and bring them out into the ordinary world, even th- when things are happening very quickly. And we become more like that uh, still center of the hurricane. Even when things are very fast, there's like there can be a still center and we can see things. And that's, I think, the, the, uh, an image that I find that helpful to, to be like a still center. And it's, it's, some of you know that in the, the Taoist writings, that image is very, very strong, to be this still center. It's a martial art image as well. To be, have this quality of stillness and seeing and then be able to go into any activity, whether it's happening slowly or quickly, and be able to see, and be able to know. That's really our direction. But that's really why we have to, why we have to slow down some, why we have to find ways to slow down. So if there are comments or questions, I was thinking of asking the question, like what helps us to slow down? Or how do we work with that issue personally? Because it's, it's, it's not easy. Please. Yeah? Did everyone hear the question? I mean, that's what uh, Diana in her article was saying, she was very speeded up and everything was incredibly worthwhile. Right? It wasn't just um, difficult. Um, I'll say some things and maybe other people have some responses as well. Um, personally, I find a very key tool for working with this issue is to have something like a Sabbath one day a week. To have a day when I really slow down. And then it's, it's something like to have a day once a week when I really slow down and then to have periods of the day when we sit and we really slow down. So it's like we, those are, are in a way, when, I, when I, I've been doing the Sabbath most of the last 20 years or so, like one day a week, and it makes, I can really notice it when I don't do it. It makes a huge difference, and it really orients me to, um, um, I think it orients me to a lot of things. It orients me towards a different rhythm. It's usually in connection with the natural world. It also is, tends to um, bring me more awareness of what my uh, priorities are, what my deeper values are. One of the things that happens when we are speedy is that we're often just trying to complete some agenda, and we may lose track of what's really important. You know, I talked to my parents yesterday and told them the theme I was working on, and my father said, you know, who's retired, he said, 
tell people to slow down before they retire. <laughs> you know, and uh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, so I think it's ways it's ways to kind of come back and help us uh, get a sense of what's too much, what's in balance. Um, would anyone else like to respond to the question, please? Right. I mean that that points to. Uh, th- there are a lot of dimensions, I think, to responding to your question. And it's a great question. It's almost like a koan for our times, isn't it? You know, what what really serves me? There are all these opportunities for connection, for great cultural events, and so forth. Wonderful um, spiritual events. You could go to the whole calendar at Spirit Rock, right? And make yourself totally berserk. <laughs> Searching for peace. Uh, um, and... How, how do we orient that, or how do we how do we find ways to um, respond to that question? And I think what you're pointing to is that the one thing the slowing down helps us with is knowing when we are, as it were, looking externally for something that we can find in ourselves, which is a big part of this practice. That we we study the ways that we think. Oh, I will feel connected if I do this or if I go to this event, or do this or that. And sometimes there is a way in which we uh, give away our own power and don't touch sometimes the peace, which we can probably experience at other times. That's just peace from just being present to ourselves. And so we can watch that quality of wanting, which I think that's very crucial because a lot of the quality of speed is sometimes connected with a wanting or even agreed sometimes. And we can look at that and see whether that's there and see whether it might be that we're wanting something because we don't want to maybe look at something that's present in ourselves. Maybe it could be something, could be some sadness or loneliness or something. But sometimes when we can learn to be with that, we can go into our own fullness more. Does that make sense for people? So there, that's something to look at, or how, how wanting appears in our whatever, being busy or overscheduling, and you know, in it, yeah. Please. To be still that's right. It's that, it's that's a it's hard, yeah, and it's, it's hard. Just me that's no, it's um, uh, we did a day long retreat here in February. Uh, Diana Winston and I led a day long retreat for caregivers mm-hmm. and activists about the balance of taking care of yourself and taking care of others, and we heard of the people who came there. Person after person saying it was really hard to navigate that. And a lot of people were approaching burnout, and it was just not somehow working. They were just getting too caught up, eaten up by things. And it was, uh, you know, and some of it was maybe personal habits, but some of it is systemic. Some of it is the way that, uh, you know, systems work, or all sorts of, all sorts of uh, reasons for that. I mean, some people just by being underpaid, for example almost makes one have to be more active. So um, I think that the, the, there's a certain amount that we can do personally, but there's also, uh, some of this is on a collective level. I think it has to be, you know, if, you, if one's in a place at work, how do you make that place of work really sustain people for the long haul so that it doesn't force everyone to be overly busy? You could talk about that in the workplace, right? There's, you know, nothing purposive happening. Horrible. Right? Some, sometimes it's like that, right? And so we're, it's, um, 
I know Thich Nhat Hanh at his, at his retreats uh, or in his community, they have uh, one day a week, which is like a lazy, they call it lazy day. And I think, I, I know that's hard for me personally. <laughs> uh, but it's like, uh, I think personally, very good for me is to have one lazy day and one Sabbath day and then make it, somehow make it work. The Sabbath day sometimes gets lazy. Yeah, or it's just being with, uh, being with, I often do a Sabbath day after I teach here and I just go up in the hills for the rest of the day. You know, and it's uh, just to be, I think being with the rhythms of nature is a very wonderful way to, to come back to that sense of uh, slowing down. Yeah. What else do people do that helps them slow down? And there's something that I've taught, been talking recently with a lot of friends about the importance of having really clear intentions and, and boundaries. You know, it's almost like the world just gobbles things up and if you don't keep boundaries, if we don't keep boundaries, uh, time will be invaded. So, so we were talking about really keeping boundaries like around a Sabbath or around even practice time, right? We're saying, just saying, at this, this scheduling it, <laughs> putting something in, or having, I mean, it's, it's uh, ironic, but to have, okay, I'm going to schedule whiling time. Because if I don't, it'll be eaten up by something else. And so that can be a, a, a skillful means. And another, another thing that I, have, that I uh, found useful, I mean, it's, Retreats are wonderful because they can take you into the rhythm or different, there are different kinds of retreats, but retreats here or retreats sometimes which you just do on your own where you don't, uh, where you kind of follow. A lot of this is really to find ways just to come back into our own being. You know, it's like Thoreau going to Walden, right? You know, I went there to study myself. You go, we need to almost have these ways just to come back to our to know ourselves in a deep way. And that takes, for most of us, a slowing down and a uh, creating of boundaries. You know, I know there was a time about five years ago when I was at the end of a cycle of work and I was about to begin a new one and I, it's, it, I realized that if I began the new cycle, it was starting, starting a new program, um, that there was some part of me that was feeling overworked. And so what I, I arranged for a whole year to basically stop working. And I was able to make that work within my life and finances. And actually, I just worked a little bit. And I had about a year where I totally let go of structure. And not everyone can do that. You know, but, but So maybe it's not a year, maybe it's a month, or maybe it's two months or something. But I let go of the structure because I felt like something deeper had to come authentically out of my being and it required space. It required not doing. It required um, opening in a mysterious way to what might want to be deeper. And for that I had to let go of things. So I let go of a lot of things I was doing. I was a co-editor of a journal. I let go of that. I was on the board of the Buddhist Peace Fellowship. I let go of that. I let go of most of my work. I didn't schedule hardly anything. Uh, I stopped, I was, uh, sometimes I'm a writer, I stopped writing. And it was scary sometimes, right? 
and let go of structure. But it was uh, let go of doing. And sometimes I would, uh, you know, go through a month and say, "What did? What was that last month about?" <laughs> you know. And but there was some way that it, it uh, over the course of a year, it really opened up to what was it, like a much deeper passion. You know, I had to I had to have that space. And so I think that's we can do that on a you know on in many ways we can do that for a year, for a month, for a day. But, but a lot of it is just really learning to come back and know our own rhythms and know ourselves as if for the first time almost sometimes, or to know ourselves in a new unfolding. Please. How did you realize that you needed that? I mean, it was, were you being overwhelmed by things and all of a sudden... Yeah, I think it was something intuitive where I was just feeling, I'm not sure about this. I mean, it would surface as thoughts. It was almost in my body. You know, it was almost like saying, I'm not comfortable with going that direction. And I just, it, it sort of built up after a while. And I, you know, partly from meditating and talking with uh, people close to me and so forth, I came to know that. But there was some way that I, my intuition was just telling me, this is not so healthy for you. But, it, you know, it takes a while to know that. I mean, I'm talking about because the, the new plans had a certain amount of uh, attraction, right, and energy. And, but then I had to be, and, you know, the way our minds work, we're kind of like, a little bit dull, the way my mind works. <laughs> a little bit dull, you know, we kind of think, oh, there's a conflict between doing this, which I want, really want to do, and it takes like months before I can say, how about doing it in a year from now rather than when you had planned it? And that's from, I think most of our minds, it takes months to be able to have that blazing insight into the, to the totally obvious. <laughs> you know. That's what intuition is, right? Blazing inside into the totally obvious. But it's, um, but, but it was I, a lot of it was in my body and just not things not feeling right and maybe waking up in the middle of the night sometimes or just not you know being being not being at ease with the way it was going. And and you find like um, just a lot of removing the external influences makes a huge difference. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and does it? Let you be a little more with yourself, a little more fully. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I want to ask you all a question. How many of you would like to take the next week and take it on as your at-home practice to slow down next week? Okay. Okay. And we can come back and compare notes next week. Um, so once you, you get a sense right now, let's just sit for a moment and... Sit quietly and reflect on what it would mean for you in the next week to slow down in ways that are helpful to you. Could be any of the ways that we've explored or maybe some that we haven't. What concrete ways will help you to slow down and particularly help you to be more present to your own experience. Come back to yourselves. Come back to ourselves.
And what in particular will I do, will each of us do, in the next 24 hours so that we start establishing this um, intention in the near future, in the next day? What will help me move in this direction that I will um, intend or bring into being in the next 24 hours? So we close by the traditional dedication of merit practice whereby we intend to share the fruits of our time together, the fruits of our practice, our reflections, our sharing with others, knowing that we practice not just for ourselves but also for others, for a world that deeply needs to have us come back to ourselves. A world that's in great need of wisdom and compassion. We share the fruits of our time together with all beings. For the purposes healing, of transformation and of awakening for all beings. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.